Hey, good morning, church. It's Sunday morning, March 15th. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already aware that the leadership of our church has made the decision during this current COVID-19 coronavirus crisis to suspend our worship gatherings at least through March 29th. As we approach that date, we will pay attention to the progress of the virus here in the state of Washington. We will listen to the directives of governmental and health officials, and then we'll make decisions regarding next steps, which we will then communicate in as timely and widespread a manner as possible. And here's something else that you need to know. The North Thurston Public School District, like all the school districts across our state now, is closed through April 24th. For us, that means that when we gather again to worship, it will be in our new building. Unless something unanticipated occurs with regard to the progress on our building, uh, we will not return to Timberline High School. Until we gather again, I will bring you a message from God's Word each Sunday, and it will be made available on our central hub, mylpcoli.com, and on our LifePoint Church Facebook page. And if you've never visited that page, remember that it's three words, LifePoint Church, and that point is spelled with an E on the end. Until then, we're asking that you pray for those in decision-making roles at the state and national levels. The burden of responsibility they are carrying is a heavy one. Additionally, please consider how we can support each other and our neighbors to make it through this crisis. In in addition to COVID-19, many are suffering other respiratory illnesses as well. Find ways to serve and encourage those close to you. Don't panic. Don't give in to irrational fear. And as always, please practice the common sense health precautions being urged by health officials. Practice social distancing. If you can work from home, do so. Stay home as much as possible and away from crowds. Wash your hands often with soap and water. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, or mouth with unwashed hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Cover your mouth and nose with a tissue when you cough or sneeze, and then throw the tissue in the trash and wash your hands. Clean and disinfect objects and surfaces in your home, vehicle, and workplace. Stay at home and away from others if you're feeling ill. Washington State Department of Health advises that if you have a fever and cough, stay home with your feet until your fever has gone, been gone for 72 hours. Well, with that having been said, let's pray together. Lord, we... Uh, We commit this time to you. We ask that you would teach us from your word and that we would hear, that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see the things that you want to reveal. We do pray for those who are sick among us. We pray for our governmental officials who are making difficult decisions during these times. And uh, we pray that uh, together we might weather this crisis in ways that are honoring to you. Commit this time now to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. In our present series, Fulfilling Our Ministry 2020, Decisions for a New Decade, we're considering what it will mean for us as a church to continue to fulfill our ministry in the next chapter of our life together as we move in a matter of weeks to our new campus in Northeast Olympia. The past two Sundays, I've shared with you what I think are the first two decisions we need to make individually and corporately as a church. The first decision we established two weeks ago is that 
we'll need first to work at our worship. And then last week, we thought together about the second decision, which is that we will need to prioritize prayer. You can listen to those messages, and I hope that if you missed them, you will, by going to mylpcoli.com and clicking on the Resources tab. This morning, we'll come to the third essential decision, which is that we will need to mobilize mission. And our goal is that we will, as a church and as individuals, engage the mission of God in our community and in our world. Here's what I want to begin with, and I wonder if you'll agree with me when I say that mission lies at the very heart of who God is. When we examine the scriptures, even from the very beginning, we come quickly to the realization that the Lord God is a missionary God. Consider that from the moment of mankind's spiritual death through Adam in the garden, God initiated that gracious work of reconciling mankind to himself. He promised a redeemer, one particular descendant of the woman who would defeat Satan forever. And then he acted to preserve them, covering their nakedness and shame by shedding the blood of animals to make garments of skin. Much later, God told a man named Abraham in Genesis 12:1 through 4 that he was going to have descendants that could not be numbered and that in one particular descendant, the promised redeemer, all the nations of the earth would be blessed pointing down through time to Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, the Savior of the whole world. In Psalm 65, 5, God is not only the God of our salvation, but he is the hope of all the ends of the earth. In Psalm 46, 10, the Lord says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God intends that his gracious rule and reign will spread to people of every ethnicity every culture, every language throughout the earth. And in Psalm 67, 1 through 3, the psalmist prays, may God be gracious to us and listen to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The Lord God is a missionary God. And next, consider with me that the Lord Christ is a missionary Christ. Jesus told his friend Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And Jesus told his disciples in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So the Lord God is a missionary God, the Lord Christ is a missionary Christ, and the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. After he rose from the dead, Jesus promised his disciples that they would very soon be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And some 40 days after his resurrection from the dead and just moments before he ascended into heaven on that hillside in Galilee, Jesus told them, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. About a week and a half later, on the day of the Feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem, the glorified and exalted Jesus Christ fulfilled his promise and from heaven poured out the Holy Spirit on the church. 
And from that day, the Holy Spirit of God has provided the power, the motivation, the guidance and direction for the unfolding mission of God in the world. From those three theological observations, it follows then that the Christian church must be a missionary church. On the evening of the day that Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples were gathered together and Jesus suddenly and miraculously appeared among them. He proved to them that it was really him, that he was really alive. And he said, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so, I am sending you. In Mark sixteen fifteen, we read Jesus commanding his disciples, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And in Matthew twenty eight eighteen to 20, Jesus gave them what we now refer to as the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he said. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. It shouldn't surprise us that in the Apostle John's amazing vision that he recorded in the book of Revelation, he saw a worshiping church in heaven made up of a great multitude, a huge ingathering from all the nations, all the languages, all the tongues, countless, innumerable, an international community of the redeemed. And in the same way, the individual Christian must be a missionary Christian. In our theme verse for this series, Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. Timothy probably didn't possess the gift of evangelism. He was, like me, a pastor and a teacher. But it's the responsibility of every Christian to engage the mission of God in the world. William Temple was the most distinguished Archbishop of Canterbury of the 20th century. And he once wrote, No one can be indwelt by the Spirit of God and keep it to himself. If there is no flowing forth, he is not there. The Spirit of God within us moves each of us to make Christ known in every relationship. Here at LifePoint, we want to be a missional church. In fact, in order to even claim an identity as a Christian church, a qualifying characteristic must be that we are engaged in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in both word and deed, in our community and throughout the world. And to that end, we will, we must, embrace a missionary mindset. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth that God, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, he wrote, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us, to us, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Do you see that? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, and he has given to us that ministry of reconciliation. Paul told the Colossian believers that in Christ, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in bodily form, so that in Christ we have fullness. What does that mean? It means that the missionary God, the missionary Christ, the missionary spirit dwell in us in fullness. How can we not be missionary people? 
You know, a lot of churches today are pretty self-centered, pretty self-absorbed. They need to be turned inside out. Put another way, they've got Jesus all bottled up, and they need to let him out. Church was never meant to be a social club or even a community service guild. Archbishop Temple said that the church is the only society on earth that does not exist for the benefit of its members. If we find that we're a self-centered and self-absorbed church, then we also find that we are failing to be the church. Christianity is not a safe, smug, selfish, escapist little religion, but an explosive and centrifugal force. God's mission, and it is his, first and foremost, flings us out into the world that Christ came to save. So here's the deal. Our, our mentality, our mindset, has got to be that we are a community of believers in Jesus Christ on mission in and from Northeast Olympia, Washington, and from there to Thurston County, to Washington State, to the United States, and to the world. So let me suggest three choices that I think emerge prominently when we're talking about adopting or engaging in a missionary mindset. Here's the first one, that we will choose to be a serving church. We will choose to be a serving church. To study the life and ministry of Jesus is to study a tapestry woven of good news and good deeds. In Matthew 4.23, we read this description of the early ministry of Jesus, that he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Notice the combination of gospel proclamation with acts of compassion. Over and over again in the Gospels, we read similar accounts of Jesus ministering to the basic needs of real people. And no wonder that the ministry of the apostles reflected that strategy. For example, we read this of Philip in Acts chapter 8. Philip went down to the city of Samaria. He proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Good news and accompanying good deeds are kind of like the two wings of an airplane. Each is incomplete without the other. Each gives lift to the other. And that's an essential principle to missional living and missional activity that we need to take to heart, seek to understand, and seek to implement. Many churches merely exist within the boundaries of a city. They are in the city. And some churches have a mentality that they are against their city, and they actually fortify themselves against it. At LifePoint, we've always wanted to be a church for our city. And we want to be a source of joy for our city, its people, and its leaders. Some churches competitively make it their goal to be seen as the best church in the city. We want to compassionately make it our goal to become the best church for the city, or more accurately, our city's plural here in Thurston County. To adopt a missionary mentality means that we'll become students of the culture of our community. So in our new neighborhood, we will need to ask questions like, who lives here? How do they think? What do they believe? How do they vote? What do they do in terms of employment? 
How many are unemployed? What languages do they speak? What foreign cultures might they represent? What are their stories? What are their prominent needs? Which ones are easy for us to meet, and which of them are hard? How will we proceed to make the presence of Christ known in this community by our words and our actions? What would God have us do? And so we need to be constantly in prayer about these things as well, seeking the heart and the mind of God. There's a whole bunch more questions that we could add to that list. In the early days of LifePoint in Lacey, we asked community leaders, especially school leaders, since that was where we were meeting, what needs they were experiencing that we could help them meet. We allowed their perception of their needs to provide the answers to our questions. That led us to a few very fruitful investments, and we have continued to make deposits on those investments. And we need to do that same thing. Now, as we make a new start in Northeast Olympia, we need to knock on doors literally and figuratively. We need to ask God to lead us and let those in the community educate us with regard to what their felt needs are and how we can best serve them in the name of Jesus. And we need to be careful not to presume on the answers. What we've done in the past must not be allowed to limit our growth in understanding how God might want us to serve in the present in this new chapter. I shared with you a few weeks ago that my wrestlings with the question of why God chose to move us to Northeast Olympia has led me to the thought that perhaps God said, I need a church in Northeast Olympia, and LifePoint is that church. So we need to be available, responsive, innovative, to take hold of the new thing that God wants to do in us and through us in our new location. Secondly, we choose to be a sharing church, a sharing church. And by a sharing church, I mean that we need to be intentional and proactive about sharing the message of the gospel and to keep that central in our ministry. One of the potential pitfalls of choosing to serve the practical needs of the people in our communities as a demonstration of the compassion of Christ and as a platform for sharing the gospel is that we can unwittingly shift the focus from global evangelism global evangelization to societal transformation. And if and when we do that, the indicator will be that we will begin speaking more about underserved people than we do about unreached people or unsaved people. So it's essential that we determine that we will help people to find and follow Jesus. In reality, no one finds Jesus, of course. Instead, each of us is found by him. He's the one who does the seeking. But this commitment means that we will participate prayerfully and intentionally with him in his mission to seek and to save the lost in our community. For some of us, this means that we need to learn how to share the gospel with compassion and clarity with others. So we'll move as soon as possible to implement some ongoing training in how to do that. What will that look like? Well, It'll include training and some methods for sharing your faith that will provide some word tracks, but also, and more importantly, how to build relationships with people who don't know Jesus, and to have those spiritual conversations without coming off as a jerk. But it also means that we'll utilize our basic venues, worship, children's ministry, youth ministry, men's and women's ministries, to share the message of the gospel and provide frequent opportunities for people of all ages to respond and to transfer their trust to Jesus Christ. You might be aware, or maybe you're not, 
but the majority of those who make a commitment to Christ in their lifetime do so before age 18. Let that sink in a little bit. Let's make those opportunities available more often for people to trust in Christ. Let's make a commitment to keep our baptistry busy. We will be alert for other larger opportunities for community outreach as well. Most importantly, we need to prioritize prayer for those among our families, friends, and the larger community whom God might be calling to himself through our ministries. A lot has been made about the fact that we're living in a post-Christian culture that has turned hostile to the gospel. But we need to be reminded that the mission of the church began in a culture that was hostile to the claims of Christ, both from Jews and Gentiles. And we should recall that a post-Christian culture may also be a pre-Christian culture. Paul preached the message of Jesus to people who had never even heard of him. While there are many today who are overtly hostile to the gospel, or have been inoculated against Christianity and the church, there are still more all around us who have simply never heard the message of God's love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness through the cross. Finally, we choose to be a sending church, and to that end, we will equip and send people to evangelize our community and our world. Missiologist Alan Hirsch, in his book Forgotten Ways, Reactivating the Missional Church, wrote this, As God sent the Son into the world, so we are at core a sent, or simply a missionary, people. This sending is embodied and lived out in the missional impulse. This is, in essence, an outwardly bound movement from one community or individual to another. It is the outward thrust rooted in God's mission that compels the church to reach a lost world. Therefore, a genuine missional impulse is a sending one, rather than an attractional one. Let me paraphrase that last thing he said. It means that our orientation will not say, come and see, but will be to say, we're going to go and tell. I wonder if you've noticed that God has been raising up people from our congregation to be sent into the world on mission. And I wonder whether you've considered that God is right now in the process of raising up children, youth, and adults in our congregation that we don't even know about yet, whom he intends to send out from us to fruitful mission. Let me point out four areas of mission which I hope that we will explore and engage going forward. The first is church planting. Part of our vision as a church is to multiply church plants in the South Sound region and beyond. To that end, we hope that our new campus might become a center for leadership development and church planting. I've been communicating with and meeting with prospective church planters already, exploring whether we might be part of assisting their dream and their call to come to fruition. We're also exploring whether we might be an active part of helping Matt and Emily Sidley fulfill their dream by planting a satellite church from LifePoint that Matt might lead here in Thurston County. And I'm hoping that God will raise up additional church planters from our church and from our community whom we can support and with whom we might partner. The second area is partnerships with local mission organizations that share our commitment to the clear communication and expression of the gospel. Organizations like MOPS, Options Pregnancy Clinic, City Gates, The Gideons, Young Life, Union Gospel Mission, and more. The third area is short-term missions. I'd love it if we could see our young people as well as adults engaging in short-term missions, whether domestically or internationally, where they're actually 
making a meaningful contribution to someone while also learning what it means to serve Christ in a cross-cultural setting. The fourth area is long-term mission. We want to continue supporting our international missionaries, Ian Smith in Japan, Ashley Seiler in Togo, Africa, Patrick and Krista Hastings, who are home now but are exploring new opportunities, and Stephen Jesselin Willis with Water for Guatemala, and more. We also want to pray that God raises up additional homegrown missionaries and be generous and faithful to participate in sending them to the places and to the people to whom he is calling them. Well, that's all. So will you pray with me that God will enable us by his spirit to mobilize mission through LifePoint Church in our community and throughout the world, that through us, people far and wide will come to know the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ, and put their trust in him. Maybe God has used this message to stimulate you in some way to participate in advancing his mission. If so, let me hear from you. I'd love to pray with you and dream together with you about what God might have in mind for you. Let's pray as we close. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the challenge that is before us in this new chapter to be missional in this new community. And we're not moving far from where we've been, and yet it's a new neighborhood, new people to reach, new culture to understand, new stories to hear and new people that need to hear the gospel of Jesus in ways that are understandable to them so that they can respond in faith and experience the transformation of life that comes to those who are in Christ. Commit this day to you. Commit ourselves to you to accomplish your purposes in Jesus' name and for his sake, for the sake of his kingdom. Amen.